are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another Monday edition of Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts. I'm your Monday host, Jackson Gatlin, also host of Locked On Rockets right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we'll be joined by Brad Rowland from Locked On Hawks to discuss the Hawks' recent five-game winning streak and just what's looked different over this stretch for Atlanta as we approach the playoffs and will we see John Collins again this season? Then we'll be joined by Charles Mockler from Locked On Clippers to talk about Paul George's return to the Clippers lineup after his extended injury absence. How has PG looked in his first few games back and what are the chances, however remote, that Kawhi Leonard makes a return as well? Lastly, as the host of Locked on Rockets, I'll discuss Jalen Green's post-All-Star break tear and the NBA records that he's breaking to round out his rookie season and how he's found his groove as an elite scorer. As always, appreciate you for making Locked on NBA your first listen each and every day. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Joining us now is Brad Roland from Locked on Hawks. You can follow on Twitter at BT Roland. Now, Brad, the, the Hawks have managed, you know, a five game win streak as of late and most recently holding off the Brooklyn Nets, despite 55 from KD, a 30 piece from Kyrie. How pivotal was this recent, this most recent win for the Hawks, given the, the seeding perspective and the play and implications surrounding this game, giving them now a full game cushion ahead of the Nets and the Charlotte Hornets? It's definitely a big one, for sure. I mean, this five-game winning streak for the Hawks has changed their season. Uh, obviously, they could have made the playoffs coming from 10 or number 9 in the play-in, but it's much easier to avoid that 9-10 matchup if you can do it, just playing the math, playing the odds of not having to do one-and-done to potentially end your season. And that head-to-head win against Brooklyn, particularly with the Nets coming into Atlanta, it would have been pretty brutal for the Hawks to lose that game, really more than anything else at home. They've been so good at home this season that uh, having KD do that and also be able to overcome it is kind of a good uh, sort of data point for the Hawks to uh, overcome adversity and just pull out a win that they had to have. What's generally been different over this recent five-game win streak? You know, anything new that you're seeing out of this Hawks team, especially with some impressive wins against the Golden State Warriors? We talked about the win against the Nets. Anything different that you're seeing out of this team as we're headed into the postseason right around the corner? It's been more consistent, I think, is the biggest thing. Um, You know, throughout this season, the Hawks have been tantalizing. They've had all of these good wins and then they, they turn around and have a bad loss that's kind of just inexplicable and they let down and uh, there's been some of that buzz that you know, this team just sort of overachieved last season and they got a little bit bored with regular season, that kind of stuff. And I think that just kind of being more level, being more consistent, being more mature and professional and just kind of taking care of business night in, night out has been big. And, you know, this team is still prone to the occasional off night. They lost to Detroit recently. They lost uh, at home to New Orleans pre- recently, but I think the schedule being, very favorable to the Hawks has also helped them. You know, early in the year, they lost some of those games for sure. But coming on the stretch, I kind of pointed out this a lot of times, like, look, this is right there for the Hawks because they had all these easy games coming up at home. And to their credit, they've won almost all of them. And that's really been the biggest thing. So it's kind of a combination of a lot of different stuff. They're not 100% healthy, but they're really only missing one guy right now in John Collins. So that's been uh, a little bit of camaraderie, a little bit of uh, sort of connectedness as well to keep this team together. But it's really a little bit from uh, a lot of different columns. 
you know, over this recent five game stretch, I mean, Trey Young's been sensational all season long. That's just who he is on the basketball floor. But over this recent five game stretch, he's basically like 31 and 12 on a nightly basis. Very good efficiency. You know, everything you, you come to expect from Trey. So I'm curious, Brad, do you attribute some of the struggles this season, right? Is it, is it on Trey? Is it on the team as a collective? Is it some individuals not necessarily living up to the roles that they played last season? Is there something you can point to? I know you mentioned consistency, but something that is different specifically, you know, with the version of the Atlanta Hawks we're seeing this year versus the ver version that was, you know, such an incredible story last season. I think just broadly speaking is the defense. I think last year they weren't great defensively for most of the season, but in the second half, they were a top 10, 12 defense in the entire league when they got red hot. And this year, they've been living in the bottom five for most of the season. That's how bad they have been. If anything, they're better on offense this year, which is kind of crazy to think about the way they made that run last season. But they've been in the top two or three on offense all year long, just really lighting it up behind Trey and what is a pretty high-powered group of shooting around him and some you know, Capella and Kongwu and Collins diving to the rim. But defensively, it's really been uh, a lot of – the same, but also a little bit worse. Like Capella has come on really strong recently. I think he's been a big part of the turnaround because he's, he's been playing elite basketball defensively. But early in the year, he was just pretty good rather than actually dominant. And last year, he made everything go for that defense. This is a team that does not have a ton of defensive talent. So I think it's really defensive end of the floor. I think as crazy as it's going to sound, Trey's having his best season of his career pretty clearly by the numbers, by the play by his just not in that out contributions. And I know it's not resulted in wins necessarily, which is kind of taking him off the radar, but he's been fantastic. I think that it's not really on him really at all. It's kind of the supporting pieces and having issues defensively throughout the season, but they've kind of shown their upside in this recent stretch. I know you mentioned just momentarily there uh, about John Collins, but what is the latest news on, on him? And is, you know, how severe is, is the injury holding him out? And what, what's the hopes as far as like getting him back in the rotation, either before the playoffs start, or if there is, you know, a, a deep playoff run for the, for this Hawks team, or if they, you know, get out of the play and into the first round, like, is there an expectation that he's going to be back and around for that? There's a lot of mystery. Uh, it's kind of weird because he has two injuries at once. He has the, the original and more serious injury is a plantar fascia tear in his right foot, which is uh, bothering him for sure. He tried to play through it and was not the same guy. It was certainly holding him back. It was very clear. And he's a guy that needs his burst to be effective. Um, and also he has this, uh, this right finger sprain where it, it really kind of bubbled up on him and it, it was looking very, very gross and it's on a shooting hand. It's kind of this two-pronged injury. And they gave this update over the weekend. It was kind of a non-update. It's one of those updates that they give because they have to give one. But it was really was just like absolutely no specifics. The Hawks have been pretty uh, mysterious about this whole thing. So I've been saying for a while, I'll be surprised if he plays in regular season. Obviously, it's only one week to go. But I think they're leaving the door open in case they make a run that he can come back. I think if they were to go out quietly in the play-in or lose in the first round, it won't surprise me at all if he, just, if he doesn't play anymore this year. But if they get a good matchup in the first round, pull an upset – you know, that's two, three weeks from now. And I guess it's a, a lot more time to kind of get right. So I think that if I had to guess right now, he's probably done for the year, but that's just a total guess. They're not really giving any information out, but just because of all the mysteriousness, he's not really running at this point as well. And for a guy to go from not running to playing an NBA game, is not a small thing. He's going to need a couple of days, weeks to get ramped up all the way. So I think the smart bet is he doesn't play, is he doesn't play again this year, but obviously we're all guessing. Definitely kind of a huge blow to these, this Atlanta Hawks team not having John Collins out there. Who has stepped up in his absence, though, for this team? It's really been a lot of different guys, but Danilo Gallinari has been great offensively. You know, this, this year has been kind of the exact Gallinari experience that you might imagine at this point in his career. Defensively, it's really an adventure, and he does hurt them in certain matchups. But offensively, he's fantastic. He's a great shooter, matchup stuff. When he plays in this recent stretch, they've been very, very good. The problem is that he's been banged up as well. So they miss both him and Collins, and they're very, very shorthanded. 
at the four. They got a little bit of a flash from Jalen Johnson, their rookie, but then he got a concussion right away after that, unfortunately. So they kind of been piecing it together with DeAndre Hunter playing the four and Timothy Luau-Cabarro playing the four. He's really more of a combo wing, and he's been playing a lot of four minutes. They've been playing small because they have to. They're just kind of out of bodies at the four when Gallinari's not out there. But it's really been a team effort, and really the big thing is that Capella – I know he's playing center and we've been playing with Collins, but he's been playing out of his world for the last, I don't know, six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. And that's been sort of covering up a little bit of the absences of Collins. I do think, though, this team is not the same without Collins. They've been winning recently, and I think that's kind of been masked because they've been winning. But long term and in the playoffs, they need Collins. He's their best defender at the four. He's a really good offensive player, and he does a lot of things that nobody else can match. It'll be curious to see how far this Atlanta Hawks team can go without John Collins. But Brad, last thing here before I let you go. I mean, if the playoffs were to, to start today, the Hawks would be would find themselves matched up with the Cleveland Cavaliers as part of the the first part of the, the play-in bracket. What does that potential play-in encounter look like from the Hawks' perspective as far as that matchup is concerned? Yeah, it's really interesting because... Obviously, Cleveland's been banged up for a while now without Jared Allen and Ivan Mobley's been out. And if, if those guys aren't playing, then they're just not a playoff caliber team, to be honest with you. I mean, that's not even a picking on Cleveland. They've been awesome this year. But the Hawks, they, they just came to Atlanta last week, and the Hawks beat them up pretty good. And it felt like they were just a lot better than Cleveland in their current form. And obviously, you know, maybe they get Jared Allen back. Maybe they get Evan Mobley back before the play-in. But if it's, that, if it's that team without those guys, then I think the Hawks have to be favored, maybe even on the road in that game. Um, obviously home court would be big because the Hawks have been a lot worse on the road than they have at home uh, for as a lot of teams are this year. But I think a big thing is that Cleveland has not been there before as a playoff team in this current iteration. And the Hawks had that, that whole experience of last year and they, they know what it takes. I think they're the more talented team when compared to Cleveland. Obviously it's a one game scenario. Anything can happen and you don't want to have to go on the road in that, in that game. But that's the big thing about being in the seven, eight is that then, then you have two chances where you don't want to be is in the nine, 10, where you have one bad night from Trey young and your season's over in the 7-8, you wish you have two shots at it, and I think the Hawks can be pretty confident as a result. Yeah, will John Collins see the floor again this season? Can the Hawks fight their way out of the play-in and have a either surprising first-round playoff series? Maybe they make a deep run. You're going to have, have us covered for all of that and more over at Locked on Hawks. Brad, I appreciate you stopping by Locked on NBA with me. Coming up, Paul George makes his return to the LA Clippers lineup. Just how has PG looked since getting mixed back into the fold, both offensively, defensively, and hey, what are the chances that we see Kawhi Leonard return as well? But first, a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar, because when it comes to protein bars, you've got to check out Built Bar. They are the number one protein bar on the market. They've got so many incredible flavors to choose from. Raspberry, strawberry, salted caramel, cookies and cream, the number one flavor, my personal favorite, coconut brownie chunk. But you really can't go wrong with a single flavor on their menu. Every bar is coated in 100% delicious chocolate. They're not gritty or chalky like other protein bars out there. Every bar is low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing if you're on a keto diet, amazing if you're trying to cut back a little bit, lose a little bit of weight. You can check them out. Just go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your very next order of the best-tasting protein bars on the market. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. And continuing on here at Locked On NBA Monday. As always, thank you so much for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day. For your next listen, be sure to check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Joining us now is Charles Mockler from the Locked On Clippers podcast, one half of the Locked On Clippers podcast. You can follow him on Twitter, the Bird app, at Charles Mockler. Now, Charles, the big news out in LA, Paul George back in the Clippers 
lineup. And uh, it's maybe been a bit of a mixed bag with PG, you know, since his return. He's had, you know, had a really strong game the first night out, then a couple, you know, so-so performances. But just in your eyes, how has, how has he looked, you know, kind of getting reacclimated, getting back out there, you know, on the court for this Clippers team? I think what's been surprising, honestly, has been the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think his first game back, he had four steals, close to five, uh, a handful of deflections in there too, which is huge. Um, That's been great. Offensively, I think we were spoiled in his first game back a little bit, for sure. Um, We kind of came back down to earth in that second game back, but it's been phenomenal. He's raised the floor for everybody. Luke Kennard is someone who I immediately think of has gotten a lot better now that Paul George is back. Um, We've seen him and Robert Covington share the floor, which has been terrifying for other teams. So everyone's pretty excited. It's gone as well as we could have wanted it to go, but I'm not trying to get too hyped uh, as we kind of coalesce before this play-in game. Yeah, is there almost like, because with the injury that he had, right, with the with the elbow, like the UCL, some like acronym, like letter series there, right? Like, but, it, <laughs> sure. you know, with, with the with the elbow injury, right, there's maybe like a bit of a, like he needs some like ramp up time to get back to, you know, where he's normally at the level to be expected offensively. Whereas like getting him back in the lineup, at least defensively, it's not like one of like a lower leg injury where you think it's going to like impact his like lateral mobility or anything. So he's basically looked like the same Paul George defensively kind of elevating that side of the floor, right? Yeah. Which has been very surprising. Um, we all kind of had to check ourselves cause we we're like, Oh, he's moving pretty well. But to your point, it was like, he hurt his elbow, right? It wasn't exactly <laughs> like a lower leg or something like that. So, I mean, and it's a credit to how the team's gotten him in shape too, for sure. And how he's just kind of committed to this comeback and been able to impact both sides of the ball other than the first quarter when he came back uh, immediately. You know, I I know you mentioned uh, Luke Kennard there for a split second, talking about how having Paul George back helps him out. And I mean, really just helps everybody on this roster, right? Like having a guy like Paul George in the fold again is he's a floor raiser. He's somebody that's going to help everybody on the floor. But with Luke Kennard specifically, I mean, he's had a, a pretty, pretty strong season, all, all things considered, in the absence of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for a significant portion of the season, leading the league in three-point percentage. What has his impact just been like for this Clippers team? What are you expecting to see out of him now that he can maybe get back into more of a traditional role rather than kind of, you know, being a guy that maybe Ty Lue's had to lean on a little bit, especially offensively in the absence of, of Paul George? It's been, it was pretty rough to watch Canard uh, sometimes without Paul George and when some other guys would sit out too because other teams would put a big body on him. They'd muscle him off the ball. He's not as good off the dribble against bigger defenders like that. But now that there's gravity on other parts of the court, um, you see Kennard getting open looks, which is fantastic. You know, he was the best three-point shooter in the league for a long time without Paul George being there, which, again, should be kind of terrifying to other teams <laughs> right now because he's found his groove, which is great. He's been really confident since the Utah game, which has been awesome. Um, there is kind of an interesting discourse happening now when it comes to playoff minutes if Kennard might be squeezed out because when fully healthy, this top eight is hard to break into. Kennard shooting is needed. Um, it will be needed in this play-in tournament as well, but... It's just been all good things um, for Luke since Paul George has been back. Do you think he should be squeezed out, I, I, assuming the top eight is healthy? Like, like I mean, which which direction uh, do you do you think the Clippers team should go? I, it's going to be interesting because Ty kind of plays with rotations a little bit. He's not you know cemented in that top eight or anything like that. But I think I think he might end up having to get squeezed out of minutes a little bit. Um, there's some other guys who can initiate the offense a little differently from what he can do, uh, especially. On the other side of the ball, he has been good this year with defense, um, all things considered, but there's just guys better than him who are going to be better in these slower kind of half-court-centric um, playoff basketball uh, you know, 
arena. You mentioned Ty, Tyloo's, you know, ability to maybe tinker with some lineups here and there, try things out. I think that this season in particular, obviously missing Kawhi all year, missing Paul George for an extended stretch of the season. The fact that the Clippers are still, you know, firmly in the playoff hunt, firmly in the play in hunt, we should say, yeah. but right. You know, the fact that this Clippers team didn't just completely bottom out, missing its two star players for, you know, significant portions of this season. I think speaks a lot to just the buy-in and how hard this, these guys play for Ty Lue and what he's been able to do with this group of guys. Do you think that this season has maybe like, or maybe how has this season helped shape Ty Lue's like legacy as a coach? Do you think people are going to look at him a little bit differently after what's, you know, what he's been able to do with this group of guys this season? I hope they do because if you saw what he did last year and you still somehow didn't think that Tyler was a good coach, you probably weren't going to be convinced um, at that point, to be honest with you. But this has been a phenomenal season. Everyone's bought in. Um, you look at what happened against the Bucks the other night, which makes absolutely no sense for anyone who watched any of that game or knew who was playing on those rosters. Like this team from top to bottom, it every team says this, it, they believe in what they're doing. Um, which is a huge thing that's been a missing piece in some of these Clippers teams in the past, for sure, just kind of through the various eras and iterations of this um, franchise, but not anymore. And it just makes everything, you know, the outlook for next season is very bright um, for the Clippers and with this front office as well, like they're putting the right pieces together. Um, so between Ty Lue and Lawrence Frank and, you know, just Kawhi and PG, Things have gone pretty seamlessly in terms of buying in um, to what this Clippers team can and should do. You know, we mentioned, obviously, this Clippers roster is still, even with Paul George returning, they're still not whole, which is kind of the crazy thing to think about. But what's the latest on on both Norm Powell? And I know this might be a bit of a stretch here, but we've had, you know, there's been some reporting, right? Maybe Kawhi is doing some, like, on-the-court shooting drills. Like, first off, what's the latest on Norm Powell? And is there even a remote possibility that Kawhi Leonard suits up this season? So Norm Powell is interesting, right? Before the game against the Pels, he participated in a, for all intents and purposes, a pretty, you know, borderline pregame uh, shoot-around warm-up. Um, he's taking a little more contact, which is nice to see. He was shooting just on flat feet, I think, last week, but that's progressed. They said there's been no pain in his workout. So everyone kind of seems to think he'll be back, um, maybe for the Suns game, which is on Wednesday, but potentially after that, the Clippers do have a back-to-back -to, -back to end the season, which makes things a little wonky. Um, but I would expect him to be back before the plan. As far as Kawhi Leonard goes, um, hey, we haven't heard anything about the famous explosive box jumps, but there is, you know, he hasn't been fully shut down yet. The door is always open. Um, there's some scuttlebutt that it's kind of on him if he wants to come back. No one really knows because it is Kawhi. Um, but I don't know. I think if he's ready to go, I hope he comes back because, you know, these these windows with these two specific stars in terms of Paul George and Kawhi do kind of get smaller uh, every season that goes by. So if he can go, I think every Clippers fan wants him back to give this weirdly wide open yet also maybe top heavy West um, a, a legit run. Yeah, speaking of just, you know, where things are at in the Western Conference standings, I mean, it, Charles, unless the Utah Jazz completely fumble the bag uh, to close might. out the season, which they might, right? I mean, they, they've been skidding a little bit here. Shout out to David Locke, our fearless leader. But oh, yeah. it, it, it looks like the Clippers are going to probably be facing off against the Timberwolves in the first stage of the play-in tournament out West. How has LA looked against Minnesota this season? And what are some of the keys to kind of keep in mind, you know, going into that matchup? Throughout the season, the Clips have looked pretty great against the Timberwolves, which has been awesome. Um, some pretty decisive victories there. 
always kind of just in control of those matchups, which is really good to see. But, you know, you get to a one in a one off play in game. You know, yeah, Patrick Beverly on the other side of the ball, just from in terms of just chip on the shoulder vibes stuff. I don't want to face I don't think any X team of Pat Beverly wants to face him in a one game kind of winner take most of it um, scenario. They're playing really good basketball right now. I'd be a little nervous. I'd be a lot less nervous if Norm Powell comes back and can get some run in. But I I like the Clips' chances for sure. Um, and I like what Tyloo's been able to do kind of working on these new lineups um, as we get used to seeing Paul George and Robert Covington and Norm Powell, who Powell and PG haven't played together at all this season. So that's something that's going to have to get figured out. Paul George is getting up to speed. Will Norm Powell make it back before the play-in game? How far can this Clippers team realistically go in the playoffs this season? You're going to have us covered for all of that and more over at Locked On Clippers. Charles, appreciate you stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Always. Thank you. Coming up, Jalen Green is on a monster tear to end the season for the Houston Rockets, breaking NBA records left and right. Does he have an outside shot at the Rookie of the Year award? But first, a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online, because BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championship odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. Look, we got the NBA Championship right around the corner, right? NBA playoffs are almost upon us. Who do you think is going to walk away the title holders this season? You got the Phoenix Suns at plus 300 to win the title this year. You got Milwaukee Bucks plus 575 to repeat this season. Brooklyn Nets coming in third at plus 700. And you got the Boston Celtics and Golden State Warriors rounding out the top five at plus 700. 50 a piece bet online is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information including live betting esports and scores head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action available to you bet online it's where the game starts and final segment here at Locked On NBA Monday as always appreciate you for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day and joining us now is the host of the Locked On Rockets podcast me, Jackson Gatlin. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Gatlin. Now, this Houston Rockets team is definitely one of the few teams in the association with eyes towards the NBA draft this year, headed for a bottom three record in back-to-back seasons. But the bright spot amidst the struggling, the losses, has been the growth and development of rookie Jalen Green. And Jalen Green is on an absolute tear to close out the regular season, averaging 29 points per contest over his last six games. But the big question, what's different now for Jalen Green compared to some of his struggles early on this season with the Houston Rockets? So first of all, earlier this season with the Houston Rockets, they were running like a double big lineup and they were trying to make things work with Christian Wood and Daniel Tice. And that kind of mucked everything up for not just Jalen Green, but everybody on this Houston Rockets roster. They led, it went to a 15 game losing streak to start the year. It was tough sledding for this Rockets team. You know, nobody expected this Rockets team to be vying for a play in spot or anything of that nature, but a 15 game losing streak to start the season is pretty rough. Inside of that, and even past that, Jalen Green dealt with, you know, maybe some uncertainty of how to really 
attack, how to be the best version of himself offensively. We saw some hesitancy at times where he would kind of make his first move and a defender would maybe close him off or wall him off. And he would just very willingly, you know, kind of passively kick the ball back out to the top of the key and not really look to, you know, attack a second time or reload and attack from a different angle, different things like that. Whereas post all-star break, We've basically seen a different version of Jalen Green, a more aggressive version and a more confident version of him on the floor because now we're seeing him with a wider bag where he's got more, more tools at his disposal to beat an opposing defense. He seems more comfortable with his handle. He's more willing to adapt to what defenses are giving him, and a big part of that has actually been his willingness to go back to the mid-range game, which was an area that I thought was so unique to him or, or really exciting about him doing the scouting, doing the draft profile on him when the Rockets selected him number two overall. I thought he was a true three-level scorer, but for the better part of half of the season, he hasn't really been a three-level scorer. He's gotten it done at the rim or he's been able to get it going outside when the three ball is falling. But... In games where the three ball wasn't falling, things looked really, really rough around the edges. Since the All-Star break, Jalen Green has really unlocked that mid-range area of his game. He's snaking pick and rolls. He's getting to the mid-range spots consistently because that's what defenses are giving him. And then when defenses have started to key in on the fact that he's willing to take that mid-range shot, it's completely opened up the rest of his game. Jalen Green has scored. Four games in a row, 30 plus points, four games in a row. The last rookie to do that was Allen Iverson. The last rookie to do that before before AI was Michael Jordan. That is rarefied air to be a to 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 be in the same presence of as AI and Jordan, two of the all-time greats to play the game. Not only that, but Jalen Green is now the all-time NBA history all-time record holder for five or more three-pointers made over a stretch of four or more games. Nobody else has that record. Jalen Green has been breaking records left and right. He is the first Rockets rookie since Hakeem Olajuwon to score 30-plus in back-to-back games. Again, this is, this is a kid who, coming out of the draft, had a lot of hype surrounding him and didn't quite hit the ground running with his NBA season the way that kind of expectations were set out for him to do. But since the All-Star break, the two best rookies in the association have been Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green. Number one and number two, respect. I mean, they, they have both been on an absolute tear since the All-Star break. And ultimately, we're going to look back on this 2021 NBA draft. And I think in years to come, we're going to compare this re most recent draft class to that of the 2003 draft, uh, draft class with LeBron and Carmelo and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, so many iconic names from this past two decades of NBA basketball. That's exactly what's going to happen when we look back at all of the talent at the top end of this year's NBA draft from Cade Cunningham to Jalen Green to Evan Mobley, who's had a very impressive NBA campaign. Scotty Barnes, Jalen Suggs, Josh Giddy, Jonathan Kaminga. It was a very, very stellar draft this past go around. Now, ultimately, even with Jalen Green's recent stretch of success, does he have a legitimate shot at the Rookie of the Year award? He's kind of an outsider fighting his way in. Evan Mobley is kind of the, you know, 
clear-cut lead at this point, although he's kind of losing a bit of ground due to his recent injury. Cade Cunningham may be gaining on him a little bit. Scotty Barnes's name has to be in the pack as well, with as well as he has played and as good as the Toronto Raptors have looked this season out east. But does Jalen Green have a shot to maybe squeak his way in as a finalist, given the way that he's playing to close out the season? Absolutely. And I think it, it would be very tough to bump one of those other three out of the running, but you have to give some hardcore consideration to Jalen Green because of how impressive he's been in this closing stretch. Jalen Green now has six 30-plus games as a rookie. The neck... The, the the NBA at at in total has 17 games of rookies scoring 30 plus. The Rockets are responsible for seven of those games: six from Jalen Green, one from his teammate in Josh Christopher. The other 10, the, the next two closest on the list, Cade Cunningham has a pair of 30-point games, and Trey Mann has a pair of 30-point games. So Jalen Green has three times as many 30-point games as the next rookie on the list, or next rookies on the list in Cade Cunningham. And Trey man, but not, it's not only Jalen green, the Rockets future is bright for a couple other reasons. And that includes Josh Christopher, his teammate who Jalen green and Josh Christopher become the first pair of rookie teammates in NBA history to score 30 plus points in the same game. Josh Christopher has a really a a really versatile offensive game can get it done inside is a terror going downhill and shows really impressive spurts defensively is going to be an absolute two-way force here in the NBA. And then how can I get away without mentioning Alperin Shingun, who is arguably maybe the steal of the NBA draft coming in at pick number 16. Alperin Shingun walking away with at least one to two highlight reel passes every single night that he plays a basketball game. He does the behind the head passes. He does the behind the back passes. He does the no look passes. He does so much insane stuff on the basketball floor. It is very, you know, I don't like to throw this comp around a lot, but it's very Nikola Jokic esque in how Alperin Shingun plays the game of basketball, how quickly he processes things offensively, and just how exciting it is to watch him out there when he's dropping dimes left and right and you just walk away with your jaw on the floor because he's seeing plays that are developing with eyes in the back of his head. It, it's, it's something pretty impressive to watch if you haven't caught a Houston Rockets basketball game this season. But as one of the worst teams in the association gunning for a bottom three record, uh, the Rockets are headed for the draft lottery. And as part of heading that direction, uh, there comes evaluation of top prospects. And at this point, who makes the most sense for this Houston Rockets team moving forward as a top prospect? It's got to be Jabari Smith Jr. in my eyes. He makes the most sense for this Houston Rockets team if they were to walk away with the number one overall pick. He's got the hyper shooting. He's got the solid level defensive play. He's got a 6'10 frame. He's a strong rebounder. He is everything that you want to add to this already exciting young Rockets core to be able to have another player to kind of accentuate Jalen Green and Alperin Shingun and their young, exciting point guard in Kevin Porter Jr. So when you look at Jabari Smith Jr. and all the tools that he has at his disposal, he seems to me at pretty much a almost a lock for the number one overall pick. You look at Chet Holmgren, there's a lot there. I do have some reservations about just his 
you know, the physicals, honestly, at this point with how skinny he is. And maybe that's not a fair issue to have. There were some overblown worries about Evan Mobley and his build coming into the NBA last season. And Evan Mobley completely silenced all of those critics and is now the leading candidate to walk away as the rookie of the year this season. But with that, for all musings on the Houston Rockets and to keep up with everything Jalen Green, you can check out Locked On Rockets. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked On NBA. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also, be sure to check out the new Locked On NBA YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, search Locked On NBA, like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts.